three different scores as the Brisbane Kickers notch a 3-2 win over City Stadium, gets back to the roaring crowd of Section O as we pay respect to the legend. This is your host, as always, Elliot Bard is joining me. It's two men that saw a 3-2 win and is debating whether or not it's carried up any of the goals. It's Madison Air. How are you guys doing today, man? Three points doing better. Good. Yeah, yeah, three points. It's always better. It was, it was a tough three points. But just saying, right now, if the game had started when we hit record, there would have been a goal. Probably so. I'm happy about Probably that. Probably so. We would have been yeah. right in that yep. space. Right in that space. <laughs> 27 to 30 seconds in, Matt mm-hmm. Bulldog hits the back of the net. I was loving it. Look, look I'm not, <laughs> not going to say that you know, Elliot you know, interviewing him midweek led to that happening. But I'm not not saying that. And I think we've established that this podcast has magical effects on, you know, the team selection, on the team's, uh, you know, individual player performance at times. So you're welcome, everybody else. Pay me my respects. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, we get yes. to go. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be honest so with you, man. Want I didn't even... Oh, oh, Alex. Uh, let Alex score next week. Or maybe Bologna's. Who knows? Okay, all right, so let, let's get Olex on for an interview midweek. <laughs> um, oh, man. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I didn't even see the first goal. Only thing I saw was Matt, like, fist pumping. And I was like, what happened? Is he offsides? Like, this is not a goal. Like, I saw the scoreboard change, and I saw the smoke go again for the second time. But in my head, I was like, no, nah, Richmond don't score this early. Not in front of section. Oh, we don't. And we did. <laughs> mm. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's a really familiar play, you know, too. Uh, you know, how many times this year we've seen, you know, Bologna just get released down the left side, you know, come and look for a cross, you know, do that more of a pullback, you know, low cross. Uh, comes, You know, and then, you know, Emmy or Hernan or whoever, you know, lets it run through and, get, you know, most of the time it doesn't necessarily get to that second runner. This time it did. And, uh yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it was. So let's go ahead and get into this review. So pretty much, Darren, I think he went back to Old Faithful. I think he went, he, you know, we saw it. We went back to the four two three one. Um, I was kind of noting it to y'all that it's a four two three one in, in attack. And in defense, it would kind of be this tucked in four four two with Bolognos and Emmy up top and Neil kind of replacing Bolognos. Um I think this is the formation that it kind of needs to stick with. I think you can interchange Hernan and Emmy de- depending on the opponent, same with Emmy and Neil. But I say, I think, I really think this formation gets the best out of every quality out of the Richard Kicker side. Yeah. Yeah, this, this, this is a very, this was a very holistic lineup. Um, I do feel that the switch from 4-2-1-4-4-2 on defense was very deep. Um, in the first half, I felt that um, as we progressed in the first half, New England started to, to catch on to it and started to try and exploit it. Uh, but they tightened it up in the second half and fixed the issue. And I, I do feel that they, they did a good job of making sure that they were good at switching between the 4-2-3-1 and the 4-4-2. And I mean, I mean, you can't go wrong with a four-four-two defending. That's that's the tr- 
the time tested formation. Not too many people use it today, but it still works, you know. Especially, I mean, most of the times you'll see it when a coach just picks up a team halfway through the season. They'll they'll be like, all right, four four two, let's keep it simple. It's a simple way of defending of defending, a simple way of getting keeping things tight in the back. But then when we're attacking, the four two three one allows for that creativity. It can turn into a four three three if need be to 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 push more in the attacking side of things. And it, it's more flexible and I like that. Yeah, I, I still think it's more of a four three three, but we've, we've had that debate many times already. Uh, but yeah, I think you know it's a good combination of uh, it fits the players probably the best as of right now because you know we talked about that you know Emmy you know, Neil you know Hernan you know kind of you know trio uh, getting two out of those three get two out of the three of Bolaños Bolduc and Olex you know, take your pick what combination you like best. I think right now it's you know certainly you know settled on to. Bolaños and Bolduc, and then bring uh, Anderson, you know, as a spark. Uh, and also, you know, this time around Pavone, you know, as a spark later in the game. Uh, so I think it's a shape that works, uh, and if it's working, why break it? Yeah, no, exactly. So let's go ahead. We already kind of talked about it. We're just first goal. And literally, it kind of starts with kickoff because Monticelli kind of gets the way he collects it. And then... So I don't know, y'all probably saw it as well in the replay, but Neil does like this weird half turn. It's almost like a pump fake. <laughs> Cause like he fakes as if he's going inside. And then as soon as he knows he's about to receive the ball, he like turns to the outside. And while he's doing that, the Revs two defender who's supposed to be marking Bolognos. And I really think Bolognos, even though he wasn't effective in the stat sheet game, I really think he probably had his best game overall, like defensively wise, because of the fact of if you look when Neil's doing this half turn, Bologna's is making this inside, I mean, outside in run. And the defender's kind of stuck in two minds of like, all right, do I cover for Neil or do I track Bologna's? And he is like that half hesitation where Neil is able to play that ball in behind to Bologna's and Bologna's kind of just crosses it to Matt Bolduck, who you can tell Matt for a second overthought it because he had to like, Make sure, like, all right, let me get this into my feet and then shoot it. But once he did, it was a back in the net, and we're up one nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, we saw Bolaños, you know, make that run at least a half dozen times during the course of the game, and most of the time it's successful. Uh, so he picked up right where he left off uh, from opening day against New England. And, uh, yeah, you know, our left-sided players love playing the Revs, too. Yeah, so far this year, we'll talk more about that later on. But Bolaños, uh, you know, he got that assist. You know, today he got the goal week one. He was just creating problems, you know, the entire 63 minutes that he was on the field today. So uh, I think he did a great job. Yeah, no, he, he really did. So so going up to Revs two second one, this is kind of where I think we're going to have a little difference of opinion. Um, but before that, it kind of seemed like Ramsey was just trying to overload one side of the field. They were trying to isolate whatever side Neil was on. And they were trying to create like these passive triangles and try to just working on the side. And they created like a couple of chances because Akira before that had a couple of saves. And then the Rev Sue gate, Rev Sue first goal comes from that same kind of scenario where they're just passing around these triangles and trying to like get in behind Calvo. They get him behind him just this one time. The Revs player has a shot on goal. 
and this is where I kind of see I put a little bit of fault on Victor Flack just because of the fact of when Akira palms this ball away, Flack is looking straight at Akira and he goes to his right expecting like, all right, like this ball is going to either get cleared or I'm going to have to be the one to clear it. And he begins to keep an eye on the Rev2 player behind him. So the Rev2 player pretty much just shifts to his left, has a little bit of time to collect it and just shoots it. And is that a is that an area where no other Richmond kicker player can get close enough to him to shut him down? And he just, I mean, he put it into the one spot where a kicker can save it to. Well, I mean, to be in in a situation where the ball is being brought down the left flank, I would expect there to be more bodies in the box. Since it wasn't a counterattack, it wasn't like we were caught with numbers out. They worked their way up, worked their way into um, a situation where they had the opportunity to take that first shot. And then Kira making still a giant pocket of space, literally like there was a radius around the penalty spot uh, that was free of any red jerseys. And that's exactly where the Red Sioux player receives that ball and just takes a touch, another uh, touch to set it into, into space for him, and then a shot. So literally, he, he has time to receive the ball, place it into a, a, a comfortable shooting position, and then shoot. Both him down. I do feel that not only I, 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 uh, Victor gets by proximity most of the blame because he was the closest player but uh, to be honest with you any close enough to that situation any of the players in the box should have been able to close that down and make that red player think twice about taking a shot and maybe try and think all right am i gonna have to place it around a defender should i hand it off to another teammate something of the that you could tell there was no thought of that at all in his mind he's like open space take a Touch, make sure I'm comfortable, and have a go. And he, he at all inside our 18, and that's that's a big no-no. Yeah, I mean, you know, credit to Noel Buck. You know, it's a good finish on his part. You know, he did absolutely everything right in you know, picking up that you know rebound. Uh, I'm kind of with you know, Shanir a little more on this one. I think I don't think it's any one individual person's fault. I think you know Victor's probably going to you know, take you know more. Uh, no pun intended, uh, you know, flack uh, you know, for it, you know, because of his proximity to the play. But if you, you know, play and watch soccer long enough, you know that a lot of times the person who ends up closest to the play isn't actually the one at fault. They're the one who is scrambling, trying to cover, and they just end up looking bad as a result of it. Uh, you know, if you go back and watch, you'll see, uh, you know, you know, you know Jalen's in there, you know, Ivan's in there, you know, Victor's around there too. None of them are really all that close. You know, Zaka and Monty, I don't think I remember seeing them in the screen uh, you know, during that you know, play at all. Start to wonder a little bit, you know, you know, were they able to you know, track back well enough in that situation? So I think it's more of a overall shape and communication issue rather than an individual player sort of issue. And Victor did what he could, but he was starting from too far away to actually be able to do anything other than look like he was catching up. Yeah, that's also true. I mean, 
And we got lucky for scoring the first goal. So for us to concede that goal in what the eleventh minute was I mean, it was it was one of those goals that you could tell like if we could find a way how to get out of this without a goal, this little spell, then great. But you could tell it was coming just based on how refs was playing. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. If uh, you know, Kissy could finish better, already should have been 1 1 before that anyway, because he had a pretty much wide open look from right around the penalty spot that Akira made a great save on. But you know, you'd expect you know, strikers to score that eight, nine times out of 10. Yeah, 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 very much so. So, second goal. Now, this is another goal. I don't know why, but it seems like a lot of these goals were like goals that were building up over the course of time because we had a free kick. I'm trying to remember it correctly. We had a free kick over there in their sectional where I think it was Monty got ahead to it and it hit like the crossbar, it hit the goalkeeper, it hit everyone else except the back of the net. Yeah, it was a corner. That, yeah, it was a corner. Yeah. yeah. And so then we Monty, get another Monty, corner. Yeah, so Monty had that first oh. corner, Monty headed it, it got saved, and then Victor you know, had the rebound shot, got saved onto the goal, uh, onto the crossbar. And then it got you know cleared away and they called a foul or something like that. Oddly enough, also in this game, there was not a yellow card given in this game. There was. Just very yeah, Neil, Neil definitely got one in the second half. I totally missed that. Maybe that was the part I would. But the second goal comes off a corner. And I have to say, like, Monty, I don't know. I want to see this man vertical because he definitely jumped the highest out of everyone else to claim this goal. Like, it was like one of those situations where it was like, I want this more than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it was it was one of those those situations. I mean, it, it was it reminded me of um, Braden Troyer's goal. I think it was it in the Henny Derby. No, that was against uh, Greenville. No, it wasn't. The Greenville, there we go, where he just looked like he just levitated above everyone else and smashed that header in. Um mm-hmm. and even and he even had another one in his in his final game where he hit the crossbar. Same thing. Just let I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just sometimes these players you you just your instincts kick in and you just gain another like nine inches on your vertical and you just just rise up to the occasion. But if you were to ask him to jump that high in a regular situation, you probably wouldn't be able to. Like, <laughs> he, but Yamanti definitely got up there with that header. That was that was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah I don't know if with that goal, team. he's tied for second with most goals in the team. Yeah, I don't know if it's just like the refs who aren't good at marking, you know, corners or what it is. But uh, yeah, that, that man. Uh, does work on corners against that team specifically. And the weird thing is, it's kind of like the same goal that he scored against them up in New England. Like, I don't know what <laughs> they're doing up in New England. If they're just like, all right, we're going to mark everyone else, but we're going to leave Monty. Like, we're going we're gonna to leave Monty open. And if he scores, so be it. And he scored twice. <laughs> so... I mean, really, 
the goal that I really want to talk about is the third goal that Richard had because it's such a weird like FIFA ish goal. <laughs> it is one of the is probably one of the better looking goals that we've scored, and I think this goal also encapsulates why Neil is added on to this team. Because like so, mm-hmm. when Neil receives the ball, he passes in the Emmy, and I don't know if y'all caught this or not. But did y'all see Emmy like doing a whole bunch of like hold up play? Like I did not know he can do that. Up, uh, he was holding up the ball a lot, a lot, a lot in this game. I did not know he had that in his locker. Like I didn't know he he was. I mean, I I knew that Emmy could hold up play if needed to, but he definitely was holding the ball up a lot more than he usually does. And that's something I would expect more from Gonzalez. But even with his stature, he was able to do it very well. Yeah, no, like he, he held the ball a little bit. I think that's like a key component of this goal because when Neil plays this ball with Emmy, he's holding up the other Rams defender, like almost like six feet away from the goal. And the goalkeeper, like, I mean, naturally, everyone thinks like, oh, he's about to shoot. And once again, the uh, it's the same Rev suit defender. He kind of turns his back, and he doesn't recognize like Neil is making this run. And Emmy recognizes it, so he just taps it into Neil, and Neil plays it back to Emmy, and it scores. And from the stands, I was like, what happened? Like, this goal didn't happen. But seeing it on the replay, like, I don't think the replay gives justice to how good this goal was. Like, it was like that FIFA, like, 90th minute, sweatiest goal. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those, the first time you watch it back on replay, you're not sure if they meant to do it exactly that way. It looks like, okay, was this, you know, a, a loose touch that worked out well? Was it a, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, bouncing around and, you know, came to, you know, good fortune? You watch it a couple more times, you start to realize, no, this definitely looks like it was, you know, coordinated. It looks like, you know, these two players knew what they were trying to do, knew what they were trying to accomplish and got the job done. Uh, I, I want you know take a, a couple you know touches back before that though that play you know started off a free kick you know in our own end you know on the on the you know, near side touch line Monty plays what was it probably like a sixty yard diagonal ball straight to you know a wide open Matt Bolduck who was able to you know bring it down and you know release Neil to get the, you know play rolling it goes back to that same you know pattern we've seen a lot of times of these long you know cross field diagonal balls to the wings you know to really help spark an attack and once again it was able to you know really bear some fruit so i want to make sure those two guys got their shine for their uh contribution to this goal too yeah and monte i think in his game i think he had the most complete long balls like he created he had like three out of five and he was I don't know what it was about this game, man, but like Monty and Neil is like their best performance so far, man. And they definitely stepped up a whole bunch. Um, another player that I wanted to shout out real quick, I think kind of gets lost in the sauce of this is Eva Magalas. Because that man literally uh, he put out a lot of fires that were that could have been bigger fires, if that makes sense to y'all. Um, and he's someone that, you know, defenders don't get a lot of love, but I'm going to show love to that. Yeah, I'm, I have been really impressed with Yvonne's um, consistency so far this season. Win or lose, he's high defense. 
Um, he was a fan on the back today, as usual this season. It's just the consistency of his play going in from last year. Last year, you could see that consistency starting to build, and this year, it's just been nonstop, same level of just defensive prowess by him. I, to be honest with you, I think he should be making team of the week every year for, as a defender. I mean, every as a defender because he has been fantastic. So you're almost talking about levels of like a care getting a man in a match every week because he's on the coaching staff. That's what we're doing. We're just filling in the ballot now. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, uh, Von doesn't really have as much clout, as much sway on that decision. But mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of his perform, his performance speaks for itself. To be honest with you. Yeah, no, 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 it does. It definitely does. So the last goal that Richmond gave up, and at this point, <laughs> it was kind of weird because they're in this sectional. They started doing the, uh, you know, like, oh, we're about to win, 3-1 chant. And next day, you know, we give up a goal. And this one, I at first I wanted to have blame care, but you guys kind of talked me out of that. I don't think. Is is totally different from the first save that he had because I mean, Akira had a lot of great saves. No, you know, no, as he always does. I think the problem with this one is the kind of save that he had. I also think the kicker's player should have done a better job of being reactive to it. I think they were just calling that out like, oh, oh snap, he got that, <laughs> and it's kind of like that thing you do in pickup soccer, where like the goalkeeper that you know probably is hungover from the night before, makes it an incredible save, and you're like, oh, you got that? Like, wasn't expecting that. You know, not comparing the kickers to, you know, my local rec team, but <laughs> it's just, you know, I think that's a goal that could have been easily eliminated out of the game if a kicker's player is quicker to clear that out after Karen made that save, like a reactionary save to his near post. I, I think this this is uh, um, but for a while we had shored up our um our set piece vulnerability, but the, the, this was signs of what we've just this sense of just vulnerability and not going for the second ball. I mean, it's it's common knowledge that a lot of times on a set piece like or a cross, all oftentimes is more dangerous than the first, and you have to stay until that ball is clear of the box. And I do feel that there is a sense that there was just a whole bunch of just flat feet in the box. I mean, this cross is coming in from pretty far out. It's a deep cross coming in, and it, everyone is trying to find someone to mark, but once that ball is headed towards there still needs to be a level of a movement. There still needs to be a certain level of awareness, and once Kira makes that save, two or three New England players are wide open in the box. It just goes to one of them. And that's that's where the danger is. 
Yeah, and building upon that, I think that was probably, I think the fourth corner in a row, you know, as well. There were a number of uh, you know kind of you know cleared uh, you know corners. I mean, maybe not directly, but or you know quick succession corners in a row. So I think you know a little bit of it's going to come back to making sure RK, you know, make ensure that we can get the ball you know, cleared away, at least out for a throw or something that's going to be a little less immediately dangerous at times. But yeah, otherwise, uh, you got you got to follow this, you know, for the second ball, clean up you know, the rebound because there, if it wasn't, uh, I can't remember who scored for them, uh, you know, but if it wasn't him, it could have been one or two other guys that were also right there as well. Um, it was Kaya. Their center back that scored that picked it up. Sure. <laughs> yeah, he scored. Um, so yeah, how do you guys feel like the rest of the match played out after that goal? Uh so at, right after that goal, it it got it got testy <laughs> real quick because well, it was like two minutes later, you know, there was up where I know we're just showing, you know, Yvonne some love, but you know, there's a long ball. Here's marking Justin Reddix, uh, who's been quiet this year, but more up league one last year when he came down alone. And, and you could see right from the start that you know, Yvonne was unbalanced and he was you know, trying to you know, do whatever he could to keep up, and he, he couldn't. You know, he you know lost his you know, footing a little bit, and Reddix you know, saw an opening and pinged one right off the post from about you know, 20, 25 yards. And yeah, it was just one of those things where you know, in the stands you're thinking, oh no, is this is this really going to happen? Yeah, because they started you know, pouring it on in you know, New England. For the most part, I think the kickers were better than them, but they had about probably one stretch in each half of ten to fifteen minutes where they poured it on. Yeah, yeah, nah. Um, there were definitely a couple, and I think also Revs too did an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah, I noticed a that number as well. of starters came off the bench. Well, what were you about to say, Shiner? My fault. I didn't mean to cut you off. What's that I know that means two team definitely were coming out of hard. I feel that 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 situation where I think there was a spell of time where Yvonne was literally having to track back some of those long balls going over the top, probably once every two minutes. Like literally, he, every time they got the ball, they were just sending it in and sending it in and sending it in. And I think eventually, you know, tired legs. It's we're going towards the end of the game. Uh, Rennick just came on. Um, so you had tired legs, situations in which I think Yvonne would have either been able to head that ball clear or bring it down, hold up play, turn, either pass it back to Akira or something. His tired legs don't allow him to do that, and Renix takes full advantage of it. Uh, it, it, it was I, – I do feel that with a little bit better personnel, the Revs would have been able to capitalize on a lot of weaknesses that we showed throughout the game. And this was one of them. Towards the end of the game, they targeted the tired legs of our center backs. And because of that, because of the fact that they weren't as clinical, as ruthless as they could be, we were able to keep the win, to be honest with you. So a question for you guys about this, and because I haven't really thought about it, and I'm not, I'm not sure I know what my answer is. Do you think, you know, Darren making the change in – I can't remember around the 70th minute or so of pulling uh, you know Chrysler off and putting Nathan Owney in at that point. Do you think that made any impact on the defensive performance down the stretch? I think it it basically put a bullseye on uh, it put a target on Yvonne's back 
because it basically let them know, all right, they took one tired center back off. Let's go at the other one. Because there weren't so many, too many balls that Ani had to chase down. It was always down the side that Yvonne was on. It was always the player that was closest to Yvonne who was being targeted. And I think we basically put a highlight on Yvonne saying, we took off the one tired center back. There's still another one here. Come at me. And I think that that, that basically gave New England uh, something to do. It gave, gave them something to react to. The same way in the first half, like you were saying, um, uh, Elliot, that the 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 revs were targeted were overloading the whichever side they felt neil was on because they felt that he was the one who was being shifted going from the th- the the 4231 to the 442 he was the one that was having to do the most transition so they felt that he was the one who was going to get caught out the easiest and that's basically what happened and so that's why they ended up scoring their first goal and that's how they ended up having so many chances around that spell of time in the first half and now in the second half you have the same situation Christner comes off, that basically lets New England Revolution say, the New England Revs know that you need to come at Yvonne, and that's what they did. They came at Yvonne, they created some chances. Luckily for us, they weren't able to capitalize on those chances. Yeah, like, obviously, I didn't even know Ani came on until, I think it was like the 75th minute I realized, I was like, hey, that doesn't look like Christner. So I don't... Did y'all see it? Like, did Chris get hurt, or was it just like just tiredness? He got subbed up for. I don't. I don't. It didn't look like he got hurt or anything. I, yeah. No. I'm, my guess is that Darren saw okay, you know, two goal lead. You know, hadn't had a chance to get you know Alney in at all, so figured maybe this is an opportunity to you know, get him some minutes, get him integrated into the team a little bit more. You know, game seemed to honestly, you know, it seemed to be in pretty you know clear control for the kickers at that point. So I didn't have, you know, a philosophical issue with it. I'm, you know, growing up being a you know, defender, I always uh, was appreciative of the mindset of you don't sub your defenders because I never wanted to come out of the game. Uh, you know, so I always liked that ideal, but I don't think it's something that's you know, written in stone. I think for me, it, it it's always risky to take off one of your center backs, especially if you have a back two. Uh, a, a, a back four, I would say, with two center backs. Uh, it's it's risky because when you're in the game, your two center backs develop a rhythm. They develop a a, a, a understanding of who's doing what. When you sub one off and bring on another one, you kind of get into the situation of now this other center black coming on has to now kind of understand, okay, so what do I do in comparison to you? Like, what am I supposed to do? And how am I supposed to, you know, to to pair up with you? And now there's there's a learning curve. There's basically an adjustment period. Yeah, I hear you. Right. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. my cat agrees. Smart cat. Smart cat. So, <laughs> what did you all think of uh, the other subs on the day? So you know, he brought on uh, Olex and Pavone both around the 63rd, 64th minute for Bolanius and Bolduck, and then late in the game with like about you know 88. 89th minute, he brought on Cameron Vickers for Emmy. Uh, what did you, how did you all think that that played out? I think the Cameron Vickers sub is funny because I, I guarantee, like, I'm willing to bet money. Darren told Cameron, I just want you to run. <laughs> I don't, don't play, don't worry about tactics, just run at everyone who has the ball because that's all he was doing for like a good 10 minutes. He's just running 
in like a constant line. Like I, you know, I yeah, guarantee he's gonna get two miles side in. Side. Uh, to yeah, be honest he, with oh, you, yeah. I think that was very smart. I think that was very smart from Darren because at the end of the day, that shut down New England's threat because they're, now their their back line doesn't have time to look up and try and find uh, those long balls that were that were putting uh, Yvonne under pressure, that were putting the back line under pressure. Now you're in a situation where they're literally it's it's a survival mode because. You got this guy running at you, and he's got fresh legs, and your center backs don't. So you need to try and keep the ball all the way and get the ball out of this dangerous spot. They'd rather lose the ball on our end of the field than to lose it right near our goal to this guy. Also, I think another good sub was having Luke Pavone come down the wing. Uh, he came off of Matt Bulldog in, what, the 63rd, 64th minute? And I think – I think this is where Luke really keys in at. I think he's like stars at is the ability to be almost like a switch hitter. So what I mean by that is like, yeah, he's coming off from Matt who's playing like the right wing, right midfield is just spot. But a lot of times he could tuck in to be like an extra right back, which then pushes uh, Calvo further into being another center back or like on an attack. I think it was one moment. I think it was happening around the 85th, 88th minute. Um, the ball kind of goes downfield, and he does a good job of like holding it up and like just kind of easing the ball down the field. I think he gets played out for like a goal kick or a corner at that point. But I think that's where Luke starts. At. I think Luke's is really good in, in like thirty minute windows where he can come in. He doesn't have to really necessarily impact the game, but he can more or less help you close out a game. I'll say it like that. Yeah, I, th- I thought he looked good in his you know, time out there. You know, he, uh, we saw last year when he was you know, playing, you know, kind of up front and sometimes on the wing. You know, his number one asset is his motor, his hustle. He's going to you know, be able to keep going, keep going, keep going. And he got open, you know, along you know the wings a few times. You know, there's once or twice where he was able to you know, break in behind, and uh, you know, I think he might have taken a shot, you know, a step or two too early. You know, once, uh, you know. May not make a good save, but he might have been able to take a little bit more space. And but he still hit it well. Uh, you know, he went down the corner, burned off thirty seconds. You know, at one point. You know, so you know he's a guy who's going to you know leave it all on the field. You know, when he gets out there, and you know, I think he he did exactly what I presume he was asked to do. Yeah, I think yeah. he uh, he does well in a situation where he is. He can kind of be a wing back. I think he does well when he has a center back who can back him up um, on whichever side he's on. But in a back four, I don't think it would be a good idea to put him on. Um, going in for Matt in that situation, it's like you said, Elliot, uh, they kind of loosely shifted into a back three, pushing Calvo in and in, in ending up in that situation situation where you you've got those two um you had monty and now kind of sort of pavone uh uh getting in positions where now you you have fullbacks who are are basically wing who have the center backs behind them who can shift over because there are other two center backs that can cover the middle yeah 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 most definitely. So, 
the key players for this game, um, I think Dale Williams is the one he had what two assists, 82% pass completion, four chances created. And he is second in the team in chances. My dog is very excited because she loved Neil. Um, also, you have Monty. He had three out of five long balls, one goal, two, one, two out of his six duels, but he has seven interceptions and six recoveries. And the Bolognos, he had the most duels in this game with nine. And he won nine out of 18 last night, and he had the first assist for the game to open up. So any last thoughts before we move on to the uh, – Kenny Darby, guys. I don't know why I just did finger guns. That's old school. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, I think it was you know good, you know, good win. Uh, the one other thing that stuck out to me is was not important to the game in the grand scheme of things, but there was one portion you know where uh, got you know a little bit of a you know, clearance away, but might have been off of yet another corner. And you know Olix gets the ball right at you know, the top of the box and starts going and you know plays you know ball releasing for Neil. You know he's you know racing that, you know, one-on-one with a uh, Revs player. And all I could help but think in that moment was, why couldn't these two guys have been switched, you know, in their spots and let Neil release Olex to go run after it? Because uh, I think that probably plays a little bit better at each of their strengths. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, yeah, another thing, um, just, just, to, just to point out is, um, and it was something that um, at halftime, uh Rob Ucrop actually pointed out to me it's it was um on the night that um we paid homage to David Bulow one of the favorite players that he brought in scores the first goal within 30 seconds and that that was amazing to see you know um Bulow was a big fan of Bolduc um he uh, he really really enjoyed uh, coaching him, um, according to Rob Ucrop, like Matt was one of his favorite acquisitions for the team, um, and so to see Matt bury one in the first listen to the seconds, podcast. <laughs> subliminal messages. That's all I'm doing. Subliminal messages. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was um, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was dope to see. I'm happy for him. He gets his name off the score sheet. Uh, so we have an updated League One table based on points per game that I worked on in the last 30 minutes before we were recording. Uh, so Greenville's at first with 2.6. You know, almost uh, second with two points per game. Chattanooga's up third with second, uh, two points per game. Four Madison's is fourth. Richmond's fifth. We have 1.42 points per game. Fort Lauderdale six, and then FC Tucson, Toronto, North Texas, Rev two, Tormenta, North Carolina FC, rounds out the rest. Yeah, and what do you guys think so far about that? Well, so the thing I always like to point out with that is the reason that you know looking at the table that way is valuable at this point in the year is because so many teams have played such a crazy different number of games. Fort Lauderdale's played ten. I think you know there's a couple teams that have only played four so far. Uh, So if you just look at like raw points, I mean raw points, I think Fort Lauderdale's second in the league. Because you look at it, uh, and everybody's played so many different number of games. Uh, Fort Lauderdale's played ten. I think some teams have only played four. And then uh, if you look at it just on points, Fort Lauderdale's second, even though they're under five hundred you know, team. And you have a team like you know, Toronto or Tucson is way down the table, but they've hardly played anyone. So uh, it's all in flux right now. But if you look at it as points per game, it gives you an idea of about where it should level out. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the important thing to look into. So upcoming week, this weekend, the kickers go on the road and we play the Hitty Derby against those birds up north. Uh, How are you guys feeling about going to this game? We are recording this right after uh, Madison dropped points to Union Omaha in a 2-1 loss uh, to them. So how are you guys feeling going into this game? What are you guys' thoughts about it? Uh, yeah, I think it's you know a game that we can do well with. Uh, I, I think the teams, the way they like to line up, you know, it's going to be interesting playing each other because clearly the kickers like to play out on the wings and you know watch the potential like you know Bolaños versus you know Diaz or you know Boldick versus uh you know Giro matchup out there it could be really interesting uh I think if they're gonna find a way to be able to you know get you know Connor Tobin isolated you know, dude gets a lot of hype dude's slow you know so I think that could really you know play into our favor if we can be able to you know work in them around like that but to me, it looks like their strength, you know, a lot of times is going through the middle of the park, you know, with, uh, you know, Jepson, with Malloy, uh, you know, they have Jake Keegan up top, you know, so they, their strengths are different than our strengths. Uh, but I think, you know, our defensive strength is also straight through the middle. You know, you got, you know, Victor and Zaka there, you got, you know, probably Jalen and, you know, Yvonne, you know, there. So I think it'll be a really interesting chess match. Uh, it's an away game, so you, you can't count on, uh, saying, oh, easy three, you know, but I think there's every reason to think the team is capable of going in there and getting a result, you know, again, as long as, as we said all year, they don't you know, have the mental uh, kind of shutdowns at certain points. Um, I do, I do, I do agree. I do agree with you, Matt. Um, one other thing is, is, I mean, when you look at how they played against Union Omaha tonight, we're looking at a situation where Union Omaha barely had a possession. It was 70 to 30 for Ford Madison. Uh, the, the, they had about the same amount of shots, so, which, which kind of tells me that Ford Madison are playing a very possession game. I'm not sure. I mean, with 10 shots in the whole game, I'm not sure if it's possession for possession state. But it, it is showing that most of their passes are in their own half. And Union Omaha has the same amount of shots, 10 shots on goal, and they're able to capitalize and win the game. So uh, much in, less... In, in fairness, uh, the Pink Boys put one in their own net. Yeah, yeah. true, true, true. That, that is still creating chances in the the opposing half. And, and to be honest with you, Union Omaha technically kind of created more chances than um, than, than uh, the Pink Birds did. So, I, I, I don't know. It was one of those games that it tells you a little bit about what um, what Ford are trying to do. And I'm thinking like you said, Elliot, the fact that we have our solidity in the center of our defense will give us a bit more, um, a little bit more stability against them. Now, also, we have to establish a, a fullback in Calvo and Monty. So, back four, I think if we keep that the way it is, 
we have a very, very chance of keeping them out of this game in terms of, of, of creating chances. Now, all of this leads up to the midfield, I feel, in my opinion. Who's playing in the midfield? What protections does that back four have in front of them? And that's going to dictate what um, what Ford Madison will be able to do against us. On the side of things, I, I, it's, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Um, again, it depends on the personnel that's used. If he goes with the same lineup as today, I can see a, a, a decent result. I can see us winning the game if he goes with the lineup we had today. If he changes it up a little too much, then we might run into a Pep Guardiola in the Champions League final situation. Yeah. Man, now the more I think about it, I would not be surprised if it is a miserably boring 0-0 game either. Both teams are very capable of that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think I saw the stat today. I think Porter Madison leads the league in, like, second-half goals. But, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Darren goes up there and is like – because this is also a Ford Madison first game um, at full capacity. So it would not surprise me if Darren's like, all right, look, not we're going to sit in deep, but almost take the Greenville playbook of, like, sit in tight, and when their opportunity arises, go on a break. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I think we also see the same lineup. I don't see a whole bunch of tweaks. Um, the only thing I might see – is maybe Olex getting a start over Matt just because of if he is going to take this green bus out, you want someone with like that breakaway pace. And I think having Olex and Bolognos on both both wings, you, you're allowed to do that. Um, but outside of that, I don't really see too many other changes. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel we, we, yeah, I feel we do need to be clinical. And we need to be ruthless, and we cannot we cannot give up any opportunity that is given to us. One, hunker down, defend. Yes, this, that twelfth man is going to be big, loud, strong, and um, we're definitely going to need to make sure that any opportunity we get, we capitalize. Any mistake that Ford Madison make, we punish. If we don't do that, we're not coming away with anything, or we may come away with a, like you said, Matt, a goalless draw. interested to see. Well, I think anything else from you guys before we uh, wrap up? I'm pretty sure we all want to get to the USA uh, game, which is right now uh, one nothing Mexico with less yeah. than 10 minutes played. So, yay! <laughs> um, anything else from you guys before we wrap up this episode? Uh, and the one thing I you know, had was uh, it was really good you know, at the stadium. You were able to see a lot of uh, Bilo's old teammates there. You being able to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, pay tribute to him. You know, be able to uh, be there to support, uh, you know, his family. You know, through all this, I think I saw probably at least a half dozen of them, and not all just, you know, currently local guys, you know, either who might just be around anyway. Uh, so, you know. Good to see that you know, uh, you know that supports running deep. Uh, also, I mean, in general, always good to see you know the kickers community you know coming together and being able to see uh, old faces back at the stadium as it is. Yeah, it was a, it was a great moment that the kickers did before the game and then like after the game where we were able to give uh, both the painted banners to his wife, which I'm not going to speak more about because I don't want to cry again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, anything from you, Shannon, before we wrap up? Um, not real. I'm glad we were able to get the win against the Wingles. So we got the double against them. Um, I, I believe that is it. it playing against them. Do we play against them again? Yeah, we have them two more this times. Season. Two more times. Well, we've we've got two out of two out of four so far against them. Um, both times scoring three goals. Um, that to me is a sign of consistency um, in terms of against New England, and I just want to see more. And can we grow on that? Can the next game be a little bit better? Can we can we maybe score more goals? Can we maybe allow that give them another shutout like we did the first time around? Um, yeah. And somehow That's in four games against them, zero games against Joe Rice. I, exactly. I'm I'm pretty pissed off about that. And I don't know. I feel like, like it's got to be in this contract. Joe Rice? I feel like it's somewhere in the contract. Because now that we played them, what, three times? And he hasn't started now once? Somewhere in that contract, man. It's somewhere in that contract. You, that you might have been the him. best thing. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Well, guys, I think this was a good episode. It's great that we, you know, won the game 3-2. It was a little nervy at the end. Uh, we look forward to the Henry Derby. So, as always, listeners, you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at RiverCity93. We'll talk to you guys later. Keep us on the good side, guys. Bye.